Hello, my fanist friends. Welcome to another episode of Rahala Supper. This week, we have the fantastic Louise Wenner from Off of the Band Sleeper and much, much more. Very, very exciting uh, to meet her and talk to her. An absolutely fantastic show. I know you're going to enjoy. Uh, if you like this stuff and enjoy it being free in your ears every single week and want to pay me back a little bit, why not go and buy my book, Would You Rather? It's available at GoFaster.com strike.com and also all good bookshops and websites also coming out soon the paperback version of the problem with men the perfect international men's day gift for your male friends and christmas gift why not buy both those books and give them to all your friends for christmas buy a hundred copies of them all anyway be nice if you bought those then they'll let me do more books and uh then I'll be able to carry on doing free podcasts it's a beautiful some symbiotic relationship Let's sit back, relax, and enjoy Rahala Stepper with the wonderful Louise Wenner. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Leicester Square Theatre. Please welcome a man who has written his joke for 2021. It's Richard Herring. Thank you very much. Nearly forgot what year it was. Hello, my darlings. Hello, my five friends. Thank you very much. Uh, welcome to the Leicester Square Theatre. Uh, welcome to uh, another episode of Rich Herring's Leicester Square Theatre podcast. Though I was hanging around with all the people currently queuing to buy petrol. Um, this is being uh, recorded in late September for people at home, so God knows what people are doing when the podcast actually comes out. Probably <laughs> killing each other for oxygen. They call it Rallis, but anyway. They, oh, my goodness. I've written a proper joke. Wrote a joke. <laughs> uh, uh, barman, what's the deal with that triangle with sides of all different lengths? Who's in this pub every time I come in? Don't worry, he's a regular. <laughs> you have to laugh, I've got cancer. <laughs> I'm better now. But I've had it, so it doesn't go. Uh, good, um, pretty pleased with that. Proper joke, isn't it? It's a proper, I don't write many jokes, so you know I've got to make the most of them. Give them out for free. Um, so uh, yeah, good look. Uh, the uh, there's lots been going on. I had I had a weird night, uh, unsettled night of, of dreams last night. I was um, I had a dream where I was being uh, there was a very tiny rhinoceros, about as big as a rat, uh, came up to me, then attacked me, really badly attacked me with its hooves though, not its horn. Uh, and uh, it was really hurting me, and it was, and I realised I was asleep, and I couldn't wake. I was going, I've got to wake up, and I couldn't wake up. And I woke up, going, ah, ah! And my wife going, Oh God, are you all right? And I go, Yeah, I've just been attacked by a tiny rhinoceros, <laughs> which I don't think she was expecting from the level of anxiety. She has proper anxiety dreams. Yeah, I was being upset. Probably, probably something to do with my balls, and it probably is. Um, <laughs> Uh, and uh, oh, we've, just in between the last time we were here, uh, we've recorded the uh, Champion of Champions Taskmaster. Yeah, can't, can't tell you what happened, uh, but obviously, but uh, you know, I just want to say that I don't think it's representative of uh, the. <laughs> now, you know, if you listen to this podcast or not, you'll know I've got one pair of pants that cost £35. In fact, I think I revealed that to. Uh, Alex Horn, I may be uh, wrong, but uh, I bought one pair of pants that cost £35 uh, and I only wear them on special occasions and I thought I'd wear them for the champion of champions. So I got them and put them on. And then it was only the day after I realised the pants I was wearing weren't my £35 pair of pants. <laughs> I'd wear them so... I spent all this money on pants, I can't wear them. And I've forgotten what they look like and I've put on a completely different pair of pants. So whatever the result, when that comes up, work, you can work out whether whether the pants were magic or not. Um, and uh, who do you think... People don't seem to think I've, uh, I would win that. The champion of champions was uh, between me, Lisa Tarbuck, Kerry Godleman, Lou Sanders and Ed Gamble. Uh, and, and let's see who you think... Who thought... Who thinks that uh, Lisa Tarbuck won? Cheer now. Yeah. Who thinks Kerry Godleman won? Cheer now. Yeah. Who thinks Lou Sanders won? Cheer now. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Who feels Ed Gamble won? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Who thinks I won? Yeah. <laughs> well, that would be about my worst possible result. If Ed Gamble wins and I come last, that is the worst. 
We'll see. You have very little faith in me, you people. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, and uh, I'm still wearing my suit because I'm just wearing it while I can before I get fat again. <laughs> I never really get fat. Um, Hey, look, my book, Would You Rather, is probably, by the time you listen to this at home, out. Uh, do go and buy that as an, a book, an audiobook, or an e-book. The audiobook's different than a book, so you can get both. Uh, and I am running a half marathon for the hospitals that treated me uh, in, in November. And uh, if you would like to sponsor me for that, go to justgiving.com slash monoball, which uh, I'm <laughs> unbelievable that hadn't been taken, that address. <laughs> no one else... I was running for that. So it's, that's all going all right. That's going okay. We'll see how that goes. Uh, oh, and the other thing I was going to say uh, was uh, the other morning, I uh, accidentally, inadvertently, not on purpose, I accidentally farted the three opening notes of Feed the Birds from, from <laughs> Mary Poppins. Absolutely perfect. I wasn't trying to do it. Uh, and uh, you know, like Paul McCartney dreamed yesterday, didn't he? How, do you think any musicians have... Hey... I'm not saying the Sherman Brothers farted that out. That would be good for a children's musical. Well, we've got somebody who writes music as our guest this week, so we can find out whether she's ever based any of her songs on a fart. Uh, she is probably best known. I said I was going to treat her with the utmost respect after, after the terrible interview she had to go through in the 1990s and lad culture, and that's the first thing I'm going to talk to her about. Anyway, let's... She's probably best known for playing a nagging girlfriend in a Jackie photo story. <laughs> but what's she been doing since then? That's what we all want to know. Will you please welcome the fantastic Louise Wenner, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Hello, come in. Hello. Hi. Hello, how are you doing? I'm really good, how are you? Good. I'm really good as well, thank you very much. It's absolutely delightful to see you. Um, have you ever been inspired by a, a fart for your I music? feel that I haven't, mm -hmm. but now that I should be. I've missed out, clearly, and that will be the future. It must have music. happened for someone, right? Some, someone must have done that and then just thought, <laughs> at least for, that's a middle eight or something. Yeah. I mean, if it's that long, you've probably got problems. Are they that tonal, though? I mean, are yours? Yeah. Yeah. Well, there was the Petterman who used to... There was an act called the Petterman who used to fart right. tunes. And there's Mr. Methane, I think, who, who's a current actor. Mr. I think, Methane? Mr. Methane, who I think farts tunes. So it's like, this is in Might D. just do funny farts. <laughs> you know, D-sharp. Yeah. <laughs> As you get older, it's just something you have to be slightly yeah, careful yeah. of. Though. Yeah, yeah. It's not, it's not a career you can keep going. Tell us about... Uh, <laughs> Longevity. Tell us about appearing uh, in Jackie magazine. Do you remember being? Oh in... my god! It was like the highlight. In some ways, yeah. still the highlight of my life. Good. Yeah. So I was like fourteen, maybe, mm -hmm. and I got. I went to a drama club, and they said, "Does anyone want to go and be in a Jackie?" I was like, "Me, me, me, please!" <laughs> and I, yeah, I got to go and do that. And it was like, I mean, I read Jackie magazine all the time. Yeah. I longed to be in that, <laughs> and it was. That's as good as it gets. It's I pretty think. good. I think being yeah. in a Viz version of the Jackie Mac, because Viz used to do it, and that was the only... <laughs> yeah, Viz used to take the piss out of those. Uh, in fact, one of the... I did... Oh, I once dated... I know backstage I made every question I asked you about myself, but I'm about to do it again now. <laughs> I once dated 50 women in 50 days for a show I was doing. Okay. Uh, and uh, one of those... One of those in Newcastle, one of the, the girl I dated yeah. had been in a photo story in Viz. Right, so, well, she's... Yeah, but she didn't want to see me again. That's she, was, uh, <laughs> she was too highfalutin. <laughs> she was too highfalutin. Um, so, look... I've read your book, uh, which uh, well, your, your autobiography book. I know yep. you're a novelist now, and you've written many novels. I've written your. It's got two different titles. Your book. Yes. Which one do you prefer? Different for girls. Okay, it's different yeah. for girls. Which and they changed it because they thought, well, boys won't buy something that's got the word girls in the title. Yeah, that, they will. Yeah. Especially. <laughs> you say that. <laughs> if you put it, if you put it in three, the right way. If you put it in three times, they definitely will. Right. That was my mistake, obviously. Um, it's real. Well, I love it because, um, like, it's uh, because you and I are roughly, approximately the same age. Unbelievably, looking at us because I look so much younger, right? But um, uh, you look exactly the same as you did in the nineteen nineties, which is terrifying. Um, I. Uh, 
it, it's because we we it's basically you're very good for anyone born in the 1960s it's it's it, and uh, you don't have to be but it's just entirely even down to you studying vanity fair for a level english yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that everything every sort of point you hit is 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 resonates yeah. but then especially for me because then it's about you being famous from about 1993 to about 1998 <laughs> before sort of not being famous anymore and that is so it's like it's like it's written with me in mind yeah. um <laughs> But I like there's just little things in it, like uh, you talk about having Anne Anne perfume, and yes, my first girl, my first, my first girlfriend, that was the perfume she she had as um, well. You can still smell that, right? Well, whenever <laughs> I smell it, you kind of go, "Is that Anne Anne?" I think like when I was younger, Simply. I'd occasionally go, "Is that Anne Anne you wearing?" Yeah. And the girls go, "Wow, how did you know that?" <laughs> but now, if you do it, uh, a bit weird. Yeah, it's a, a bit, bit weird because they're mainly <laughs> teenage girls yeah, who yeah. wear it. Is that Anne Anne? Um, so yeah it's it was it really resonates but i think that's it it was it's interesting because um you you know you were a fairly i mean not nerdy child but you were i was pretty nerdy yeah yeah yeah, i was nerdy and glasses um, asthma yeah i was like really shy kid you know yeah Yeah. and so it's really it's a fascinating sort of story of you kind of coming out of that and and uh, a getting into Jackie, which is very impressive, and then even after that, getting onto Top of the Pops. Yeah, we both, in fact, also we both presented Top of the yeah, Pops yeah, yeah. in the same year. We never, we never met before. No. I don't think, but uh, we basically there's there's so many. Uh, I think again with for me, not making it all about me. <laughs> but if you'd gone to my if you'd gone to my school of a thousand kids and said one of the people at this school yeah. will one day present Top of the Pops. Who do you think it is? Yeah. I think I'd be about choice 997. I think me too. <laughs> <laughs> there were three exactly. kids who were below me. And yeah, see, that's the thing. I think that that kid needs to know at school, right? Yeah. yeah. The 999 kids needs to know that they're going to be, you know, yeah. here right now. Well, it's, it's, it would have been nice to have known it at the time, or at least everyone else to know it. Yeah, yeah. Then Joanne Thompson might have shown me some interest. She'd know. It, the NANA She'd known. Could it's have too been late different. to go back. <laughs> Can't go back. That's what I. That's what I've said. Um, but, uh, um, but yeah, look. I, I the I. Let's talk about the uh, the the band starting up and what I, what what I kind of find interesting in that you know you you were you were quite canny about uh, getting getting famous and getting getting yes. discovered and you to the extent that you had a fake review that you. Yeah, so we used. faked an enemy review because no one was coming to see us. No one was like paying us any attention whatsoever. So I wrote my own one, <laughs> went to a printer's and got it printed up and put in exactly the right typeset headline and made it look exactly like it was enemy review. Yeah. Then we went round to all the record companies and said, look, look what they're saying about it. It's amazing. They're saying we're brilliant. <laughs> we are brilliant. Yeah. Look. And it was kind of, we were talking about that before. I mean, just that kind of confidence that you sort of have when you're starting out, I think... It was just I want I would have done anything yeah. at that point to make it work. I think, but it's so, it's really canny. It's really clever. It's it's a clever thing to do, and obviously not yeah. everyone thinks of that. And also, you hire for an important gig. You sort of put an advert in the we, stage. We hired some dancers because yeah. obviously, and also you do gigs, and no one comes to your gigs, and you, you basically have to sort of pay people to come to your gigs almost. You know, yeah. so. We put advert in the stage and we said we were hiring people to be in a video. And if they came and danced and really looked, they were really enjoying the gig, they would get to be in that video. And they came, you know, and I felt like really bad and yet not that bad because, <laughs> because it helped. It yeah. Good. And it did help and, so it, and it yeah. worked. So it's, it's sort of interesting that that's because it, it, without any direct connection to that world, yeah. you, you'd come from just, you know, just... But I think, I think it's partly because I came from sort of a pop background, because that's what I grew up with. I grew up with pop music. I wasn't really, I wasn't an indie kid. I hadn't really read The Enemy or The Melody Maker or any of that stuff. I didn't care about that particularly. Yeah. So, because I came from a different background, I was kind of, it was more of a sort of, sort of almost got show busy, you know? It was like I was into that sort of side of it. Yeah. So when I came into indie world, I didn't really know my way around it. I didn't know how you were meant to behave. And I found it quite weird. Yeah, sort of odd, and it wasn't where I came from at all. But it's it's sort of so perceptive to spot a way through that, and to and to, I mean, I think, I think like reading the book, obviously, like you sort of signed your first contract without really 
thinking too much about what that might That was a big be. mistake. That was a mistake. That, <laughs> that wasn't was so canny. Big, that was less canny. Yeah. <laughs> but it thing. sort of does, you know, I mean, it does matter, but it sort of doesn't matter yeah, as well. Yeah, it was just that we'd, we'd been trying for so long. It was yeah. like, just sign it. Yeah. Take it. Do it. Yeah. And so, you know, how much... So you, you're saying you're sort of more interested... Was it more interested in being famous? You were interested... You were very into music, right? As Hugely. A, it was like it was everything. It was like... Yeah. It was just an escape from my growing up my family my family was fairly difficult Actually, I don't write about much in that right. book because I didn't want to do that but um it was quite troubled actually and it was an escape so music was the way I got somewhere else and I went traveled to a different place and I loved it I loved everything about it and it was the thing that sort of saved my teen years so I loved music but it also was really okay with the idea that you would might be famous with it as well I thought, yeah. I thought that would be the great thing that would be the thing that sort of saved you and made everything wonderful it isn't that at all no. but that's what I thought yeah yeah well I think that's true I mean that's again that sort of things that resonates I think like a lot of people think oh because I think a lot of people and it's sort of feeling in this book that you were bullied a bit at school and, yeah yeah and so it is a you know you are feeling like if I get to this thing then everyone will look up to me or yeah. wish they had I wanted to me. write songs I wanted yeah. to be a songwriter you know sure. it's like that was the thing that was yeah. the thing that I loved yeah yeah. No, it's it's uh, it's it, well it's 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 a it's a very interesting book in terms of in terms of, uh, of that and going on. I I I, I, I thought also like compared because you are you, sleeper have come back and you you which we'll talk about more and uh, and I sort of feel the well a interesting it's interesting listening back to that music and it still does stand up the, the stuff Thank from you. the nineties it's great. Thank you. Uh, uh, but the new stuff is is a different kettle of fish but also. It's a more mature band, obviously. Yeah, yeah, very but much. It, but it feel, sort of feels like... You, you write in the book about being influenced by the jam and, and like Smithers Jones, that kind of song. Yeah. Which has, it feels like the early songs were like a, a looking at other people and criticising, you know, <laughs> doing stories about other people, whereas... Yeah, the, 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 oh, but I think it's, yeah, it's funny that because we say it's critical, but it's not, it's just kind of that was what was around. Yeah. That's what's around you. It's just sort of, it's more sort of like it's observational rather than yeah. a critique of anything. Yeah. That, you know, but, you know, like I listen because I, I used to love the jam and also I love Ben Folds, but there's loads yeah. of songs that they, both those bands have done that are just basically, look, look at these people doing proper jobs and aren't they yeah. all cut tied down and I'm free and I'm amazing. Which when you're young, yeah. I think you're right and think this is, I'm being cool. And then you get to being in your 50s and go, oh, yeah, yeah that's I most mean, my people. dad was Smithers Jones. Yeah. That's kind of why it resonated. That's what he did. He got on the tube every single day with his same sandwich and his same, you know, in his bag. It was just like he'd have his marmite and cheese sandwich every single day and he would leave at a certain time, come back at a certain time. It was just, it was regimented. Yeah. Good sandwich though. Good sandwich. Cheese and marmite, man. <laughs> it's like, it's the bomb, isn't it, really? It is. Some people. <laughs> but, but, that, but, when, but then when we become older and, you know, I know that being a musician and a comedian aren't, are still not <laughs> those kind of proper jobs, but you do understand a bit more as a parent yourself. Yeah. That, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, but that's what I mean I think the, the new music seems to be more grounded in your own personal experience yeah I wanted to write about that I wanted to write about motherhood yeah. and all that kind of stuff because I don't think there's many songs about that and no. I don't think there's many that, to deal with that experience and, and getting older and what that feels like within the context of being creative and this industry and all of that stuff felt yeah. much more interesting yeah it's uh, well, Marmite sandwiches I guess yeah. well you were, you're definitely the best. I went to see Sleeper in, was it 2018? You were, I think it would be 2018, yeah. yeah. It's the best gig I've been to in the last 10 years. It's the only one so I've been nice. to. Yeah. <laughs> There's always a kicker. <laughs> I, I'm, I sort of, but even, so the book is interesting because it's, it is for me, because it is sort of this parallel life, but I was just so into comedy. So I was, you were taping Top of the Pops with an audio player off the TV and I was taping... Yeah. I was doing the same to comedy shows. I was so were you learning sketches? Were you kind of like sort of copying yeah, them and learning? Yeah. So I was a nerd, a proper nerd, because yeah. I wasn't even into music. So at least you were cool and into music. And I was learning Monty Python <gasps> sketches and Derek yeah. and Clive sketches. Yeah, and that's pretty cool. I'd tape kick up the eighties, but only Rick Mayall's bit because the rest was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd wait when you had a video as well. So you'd so. literally mute the. the yeah, yeah, yeah. Just be ready to go for right. it. So, so it's you know, it sort of is that. It's that. Is that same sort of journey that uh, that we went on, but. Um, uh, yeah. Um, let me ask you uh, an emergency question while I stop floundering around. It's my own fault. And I, I, I wanted to ask you... There was one I wanted to ask you. I'm going to ask you one from the back first because I've written a couple down. Um, who is your favourite Steve? Steve. 
my God, I can't think of a Steve. Who's your favourite Steve? Uh, I think my favourite Steve... I'm going to go for Stevie Martin, who I recorded my audio book with for the moment. That's my first... Steve Coogan, it's all right. All right. Um, well, I might have Stevie Wonder then, only yeah. because when we did our first... We did um, a TV thing on something called The White Room. I don't know if anyone remembers that, if you remember watching that, yeah. And um, the whole sort of... All the electricity went down, and we were doing it with Stevie Wonder, and he just decided to do an impromptu sort of acoustic gig for everyone just while we were waiting for it all to come back on. And we just sat there and had this sort of private gig with Stevie Wonder. So that was pretty cool. OK, that's better. So that's Steve. That's better. <laughs> that's Steve Coogan. <laughs> Steve Coogan once did an impression of Frank Spencer. <laughs> but no, no one else. Do I get a prize or something? <laughs> you do. Um, <gasps> Now, like, I, did, I did allude to this in my introduction, but, like, it, it, it was... With Sleeper, it was... Well, it was a very sexy band, right? I think it was a sexy band, but this is... But in the 90s... And, it, and the whole band and the look and everything of it was set, and there was a one or two sexy songs. But you, I think the, the problem for you was that it sort of came... The 90s became this very laddish time. And what I think Sleeper, you were doing, was this... Was this um, you know, it was it was sexy, but it was it was sort of empowering for women, right? I think in that it was a woman talking openly about enjoying sex. Yes. Yeah. Part, yeah. Partly. Yeah. Uh, and it sort of got co-opted by yeah lad culture. Yeah. As as all Britpop female-led bands did in the end. Yeah. And um, it was. I just, I mean, never know how to answer this question or how to talk about it because it's like, it's sort of like you continue that narrative. These questions are never asked of male artists. No. So it's like a, a man in a band is attractive. It's kind of a sexual performance. It's a sexy song. It just isn't an issue. It's just not something to talk about. It's just, well, of course, that's yeah. what you would do. But if you did that at that time in a, a band and you were, a woman it was just a different story it was just like that was the headline that was the thing you couldn't escape from you did that once that was the story forever that yeah. was the thing that you was constantly talking about so it's interesting because that narrative continues and it kind of hangs over you almost endlessly and that becomes the thing that is definitive rather than just a, an adjunct to whatever else you're doing yeah but that's what i mean that's but i think it was it, you know for for women surely this band was like Sort of for girls, yeah, and I think so many girls were influenced by you. And I, and I look at the '90s, and I look at you, and I look at the girls that you know were around the night, and they were all copying your style. Yeah, and I mean that's kind of what's nice about coming back because you get to hear those stories and yeah. you get to talk to people. And the social media is—I mean, it's a mixed bag, isn't it? Right? Yeah. It's like it's pretty toxic a lot of the time. But you get to talk to people, and you have those conversations, and people tell you that you know when they were teenage girls, they loved it, and this is why, and what what was important about it, and what made them sort of gave them own sort of confidence around those issues and that was that's lovely but you didn't feel that at the time all you just felt was this kind of incredible sort of reference judgmental defining thing that you would go to an interview and you'd be just asked about your, your attractiveness and yeah. that would be that would be the subject and that would be what you're meant to talk about and you'd never get asked about the music you made in fact they would ask the guys about the music they say they'd ask me a question about you know what i look like and then they'd say to the guys oh how did you write that song you know sure. that literally would happen yeah so that was pretty strange yeah well it's and, and it's sort of uh, through the 90s i guess it sort of it, it became even more so, you know, the Spice Girls were sort of the end result of someone realising, oh, let's just... Yeah, let's, let's just market make, that. <laughs> let's just make this for for men, yeah. basically, really. I mean, in, in, a, in, a, in a way. Do you think, looking back, because I look back at it and I go, that is, you know, you were doing something that was so different than what had come before, and it was... Do you think, looking back, it's... It, 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 you know, you overcome that unpleasantness, or is it was it just too too much? Have I overcome it? Now? Well, no. Do you think do you think what you did is makes it worthwhile, even if it was uncomfortable and unpleasant for you at the yeah, time? Yeah, I think I'm a, I think all the women that were around at that time did amazing stuff, and I think they were pushing boundaries. I think they were kind of you know it was a completely sort of new landscape, and I think they were doing things that were quite important. Yeah. And I don't, what I don't think is that most of them are given credit for it. And I think it's interesting that a lot of the women from that time completely dropped out and they yeah. left and they just walked away and they thought, I've had enough of this. There's only so much of this I can sort of deal with. And they didn't, they left music permanently, you know, yeah. for a long time. Either they didn't come back at all or they came back 20 years later like we did. Yeah. But the, lots of the guys had just carried on breezed through it, you know, and they sort of in and out. But I, it's interesting that a lot of those women were just kind of like, all right, that's, this, yeah. is not, this is not for me. And I think that's a shame. It is a shame, and also the music is 
you know, I re- look, looking back on it and re- revisiting it this week, you just think this is, these tunes are absolutely... I think partly because you were coming from such a different place. You weren't... It's, you know, watching you on top of the pubs, you're like cool, but also you're really absolutely enjoying yourself so much. And you can't, you're, yeah, so you're, you're, really allowed, you're not really meant to enjoy it. You're no, meant to always look furious <laughs> and cry. Yeah. Because you do look cool and furious, and then every now and again you're just really laughing. <laughs> I, and I can't believe I'm here. I can't and believe I'm And it's, it's absolutely fantastic. But the music, musically, it's great and, and, and quite unusual and very individual. But I think that's because of you not coming through. Those yeah, it wasn't traditional, channels. and I think, and that's that's quite interesting as well because lots of women that I've talked to do come from a slightly different perspective. Not to generalise about it, yeah, but they don't. They weren't. Sort of, they're sort of collecting their sort of full B sides for sort of ten years and sitting and looking at their kind of vinyl and sort of you know worshipping it. It was slightly different, so it was slightly a more sort of sometimes a more sort of commercial uh, perspective that they came from. Yeah, so, but that wasn't. You weren't ever meant to say that. <laughs> it was not allowed. Um, but like, but you talk in the book very honestly about other bands and 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 the rivalries and the jealousies and yes, and we all hated each other. Yeah, yeah. And you see that, but that's not necessarily the case. You see, have you seen them? I mean, like you tour with Blur, and you're very yeah. you're very amusing about Blur. And Blur yes. being, they were they had a couple of hit singles by the time you toured with them. And yeah, yeah. Had their own caterers. So, I mean, they were the cool kids. They were yeah. so the cool kids. They, so we supported them. And if you're a support band, it's really you are sort of the, you're kind of sort of the lowest of the low when you're the support band. And you, you know, you go in and you get your, you don't get paid really. And you go into their audience and you sort of wait to be booed or not. And you would have to sort of convince people that you, yeah. you were meant to be there. But they had everything. They had sort of this incredibly sort of lavish stuff going on, these huge catering trucks they were cooked meals they were cooked like sort of christmas dinner on a tuesday just because they fancied it <laughs> you know and it's like and they had this great big rider we never had a rider we'd like bought some ginsters and a packet of crisps and we just <laughs> we made do you know right and they had this lavish rider with like an incredible sort of cheese plate they'd every night they'd have a incredible cheese plate and we would just and we would literally sort of go in and look into their room and go oh my god they've got champagne and they've got cheese. <laughs> and the cheese looks really nice because we're quite hungry because we've only had crisps. Yeah. And then, so one night we stole their cheese. <laughs> which seems fair, right? Right? So we stole their cheese and we stole a bit of their wine and a bit of their beer and yeah. stuff. And then Alex and the rest of the band came back and they went freaking mad. And they tried to get us chucked off the tour for eating their cheese. He does like cheese though, doesn't he? Yes. <laughs> that is where it started. That is where it started. Who knew this would be a whole career? career Why wouldn't they share their food? I mean, it's because I bet they were chucking cheese. loads of stuff away at the end of the day, wouldn't they? Why weren't they yeah. not sharing it around? They wouldn't they? share their cheese. That's all I've got to say about them. I can't believe, I can't believe you, didn't, you didn't just automatically weren't allowed to go and queue up and have some food with them. You would think so, yeah. wouldn't you? It's like, being on their show. You're the support band. Here's some camembert or something. <laughs> yeah. But you're quite, uh, you, you, you know, you're indiscreet in the book. I try. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. It's but I see, I think that's, it's, it's being at this, it's a, it's a really interesting <laughs> level to be at where you've been that successful that you've, you know, you've hit the top of the charts and you, everyone remembers you, but it's not, I think if you'd stayed being a massive pop star, you wouldn't be, you wouldn't uh, feel that you could be as honest yeah. as you are. I mean, about. I left it a little while because I had to yeah. sort of not care about it. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I don't care. I can say what the hell I like. It's but it's, I just think that's, that's always the bit interesting when I when, when I have guests on and they're comedians and they become big Hollywood stars. Maybe they are less likely oh. to talk about how mad you know. I don't know who is. Let's yeah. say Tom Cruise. Let's <laughs> and let's see if that comes up in the next one. <laughs> For instance, yeah. so they're more likely to go. Yeah, no, he's all right. Uh, so it's kind of interesting. But you know, the boys it seems were all living that rock star life and. You know, yeah, got, there was a lot. I mean, of that. there's stuff in the book that if you if you put two and two together, people might get into a bit of trouble for now. Well, who knows? I mean, I just kind of like there was lots of that stuff going on. It was just and that was sort of normalised, I suppose. Yeah. I never got near that. People would come and sort of bring me their poetry. Yeah. So all the all the boys were sort of getting groupies, and it was kind of that was all happening. <laughs> and someone would just come and say, "I've written you this." But like you say... You maybe know, that was better. That was better. I don't know. You, you say in the book you wouldn't really want to get oral sex from a 16-year-old boy anyway, so it's... No. It sort of is... It's probably, it's probably it not on my was, wish list. It was different times. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I would rather fart to my next album. Probably. Yeah. Well, they might do that for you. That's the only good thing about... 
<laughs> Hang out with the young boys. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> You've got something. <laughs> Uh, but there's, uh, no, but you're very frank about taking uh, the the drugs and stuff that were involved in. The, yeah, that so you were you were in that part. You were in that oh part God. of the rock star world. Yes, I mean that was all that was all around us. So there was like, I mean that was just like it was like having a cup of tea, you know. So there was lots of coke. People were running around on crack. I mean that's yeah. that's that's what it was like. <laughs> you know, when we were sort of going to LA and sort of watching one band just kind of running around the pool, you know, off their heads on crack. Yeah. Well, yep. there's quite a lot of where there's a thing where you talk about. I think you're in Sweden, or there's a Swedish band, and you talk about them docking, which I didn't think was a real. It is a, people are sniggering. I feel like you know. <laughs> I feel like some people know what this is, and how do you know what this is? And <laughs> yes, yeah, this man called the Wannadies who had a very um, specific tradition yeah. that I used to like to do. It's called docking, and if you really liked someone and you just met them, you would take them to a darkened room or not, yeah. just maybe just you know backstage, and they would each sort of wrap their foreskin around the other person's foreskin. Or not, if you didn't have a foreskin. If you didn't have you, you foreskin. Would not, it was no, you know, it was no distinction. Okay, it was, like, it was allowed. It was fine, it was allowed. Okay. But yeah, that was, that was happening and they were sort of... I don't know. Just as a friendly, just this as a friendly like greeting. This was just a regular night out in the 90s. <laughs> Running around on crack, wrapping your foreskin around someone else's foreskin that you'd never met before. Ste and then stealing some cheese. Stealing cheese. Yeah, you don't want to do that from the quite docking part. <laughs> <laughs> it's what it's all about. It's it. So, do you look back at it? I miss those days. Do you miss it, Richard? I, <laughs> I mean, it's sort of. It's. It sounds like fun to be. I mean, it sounds like you've almost had the perfect ride with it, and that you you experienced the whole thing. Yeah. You know the lows, and then getting bigger and bigger, and, yeah, yeah. and then. You know, and then and then getting out of it. Yes. But then coming back to it, which we'll talk about later. But it's but again, it's it's, but it's the same with what with comedy. You know, that you're the flavor of the month, and then they'll move on to the next thing. Yeah. And if, and if you don't perform as well, so your second album didn't, didn't yeah. perform as and well. Yeah. And you, so, you kind one. of sort of know that going away in in yeah. some respects, you kind of think, well, what's what's our limit? What's our time? What's our time going to be? How long yeah. are we going to get? And. But then when it happens, you never expect it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, shit, the time is now. <laughs> but also, you, like, you're very honest about, like, that you're always looking up to the next thing, so you get gold, gold yeah. discs and you're well, worrying the, about platinum discs. And, yeah, I think that's the weird thing about yeah. it, is how, oh, God, so you just, you're never satisfied. You know, the things that you thought you'd be satisfied straight away, you're on top of the pops, you're doing those things. Yeah. You're like, well, God, you're the, but we haven't got, you know, what's our midweek? Where are we at? What's, what we gonna, where are we going to be in the charts? Where's our gold, platinum, et cetera, album. Yeah. What's the next thing? And you're always looking at who's doing better than you. Yeah. And do you feel now that you're not? So now you've come no, back. No, I, you, couldn't, you, I, I couldn't give a shit Yeah, so with that, that's, it's all really, I think that, that the, the passage of time and getting yeah. a bit older and you sort of think this is... Yeah, an, that's great. Because it, in, in the book, it sort of feels like, oh, we've put a full stop to this. This is the end of this. Yeah. You know, I, we stopped the band and, and I'm sort of glad and I'm glad, and I'm glad we ended it at yeah. Brixton or wherever it was. And yeah. then you made that decision to come back to it yeah and and when you come back to it it's like you you just you just not thinking about your position within it yeah it's like i'm doing this for the sheer fun of it and if it isn't fun then don't do it and it's yeah. kind of and that's that's all it's about and that's really freeing it's like but i imagine it's like when you you're not you're doing your own thing it's, it's something very democratic about doing podcasts because you have control of it you decide how how when what and yeah. it's yours yeah. you're not waiting for someone to okay it and say you know, allow you to do it. So there's none of that anymore. So it's kind of yeah. this to this thing you have, you have control over, and it's just completely different. And was it was it always going to be that you wanted to write new music as well, rather than just? I mean, you are still doing the the old music as well, but you've, yeah, you've but written we, two two. Well, one's a one's a new album, one's a mixture of one's new sort of, and yeah. And stuff one's that, sort of a lost album of old songs that we've had sort of on hard drives for yeah. twenty years that we'd never sort of put out, and we yeah. just went back to because we had nothing else to do in lockdown, and we went and sort of finished all those songs. Yeah, yeah. But new music, I, mean, I didn't know that I could do that. That's been the real joy of it, I think, because I didn't, you know, because I walked away from it so. So it was so completely and firmly. I was like, I'm not looking back. I'm never going back to that again. So to go and start writing songs again was like, was was great. I loved it. And do you regret? Because it just feels like it's picked up, and you, the, you're, it's something you're really good at, obviously, and you're really good at melody and lyrics. Yeah. And do you regret having that 15 years or whatever in between? Yeah, I do. I mean, it's like, you know, I don't know how we'd have done it. I mean, I had 
brought up her family and it's like, it's all, you know, it takes up so much time, all of that. Yeah. But I think, going back to what we were talking about earlier, it's part of that thing, you don't, I didn't see myself as a songwriter because I hadn't sort of allowed myself, it's only as I've got older that I have the sort of confidence to say that about myself, that I'm a songwriter. Mm-hmm. I didn't say that. I was like, oh God, I'm sort of like, I'm in a band and, you know, there's so much going on and everyone's calling me this, that and the other and is that what I do? Is that what I am? So to call myself a musician, that took quite, that's almost like, Going back in retrospect, it's given me the confidence to say that. Mm-hmm. And do you feel people of, are, are now taking you seriously? I don't know, but again, it's, it's kind of, you, you, you finally get that sort of confidence comes back. Yeah. And you also, you don't give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> so at the same time, do you know, because you're not waiting, you're not waiting for people to validate you in that way. And it was no. all about that. You had to see, it was always from someone else rather than from yourself. So now it's kind of, it's just, this is just what I do when I feel like it. Because it feels good, yeah. and that's that's right. That's quite nice. Yeah, yeah. it is very nice. Um, let me ask you this: Who is the most famous person that you've been in a lift with that you didn't get into the lift with? Um, Rod Stewart. Yeah, I thought it might be Rod Stewart. You mentioned this in your book. Yeah. What happened? But you got? Did you get stuck in the lift with Rod Stewart? I'm not stuck in. Stuck in in the in the sense I couldn't think of anything to say to him. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you're in a lift with Rod Stewart, and I felt, and you have this sort of compulsion. I don't know what you're like when you meet super famous people. Yeah. But you feel this compulsion that you ought to say something incredibly brilliant and witty and interesting. Offensive. That's what Offensive. I go for. Yeah. <laughs> that also works brilliantly. Yeah. I couldn't think of anything either offensive or. Like, oh, just what, you know, what floor are you going to? I was yeah. like, yeah. No, I'm, the, the, I, I met Rick, well, I, was, I stood behind Rick Mayle, who's my, you know, my absolute comedy hero yeah. in a, a BP garage in Shepherd's Bush Green. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, I, and I didn't even say anything to, you know, he was being quite, he was being quite Rick Mayle and yeah. addressing the queue. Yeah. And I was right behind him and I didn't even go, oh, you just want to say, I think you're really yeah. good. <laughs> I really agree. Really so I am good, I'm right? very, I'm, unless I'm drunk, which I wasn't because I was driving my car. Um, then, uh, you know, it's, I'm, I'm pretty bad at talking to anyone, which is a shame. What would you say to Rod Stewart if you... I don't you know what? In just, fairness, yeah. I just, I don't think I had that much to say to Rod Stewart. No. What can I say? I'd say you... I don't blame myself. I just, I don't, I don't overthink it. I'd say you've done very well, mate. You've done given, well for yourself. Given the limitations. <laughs> You're, you're shorter than I was expecting. Is it, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, he's done incredibly well. I mean, he's, so... he's, he's you know, he's not a, he's not terrible, but <laughs> I should have said that. <laughs> you're not terrible, mate. Richard says you're not terrible. See, if I'd met if it's status quo, I just kind of think you know, you listen to their music, you think, how the fuck have you managed to get away with that? So, <laughs> how did you manage to get away with that all your whole careers? And it's still going. There's only one of them left, and it's still going. It's well probably, it's probably to, good you can't talk to people. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Thank fuck for that. I do. I'm terrible. Um, how did you enjoy... Was, was did Top of the Pops, because obviously that was a big thing for you, music was your thing, and yeah. being on Top of the Pops that first time, Yeah. did it live up to their expectations? Well, you've done it. It's kind of... It's very ordinary, isn't it, back, yeah. back there? It's kind of like... It's like um, this sort of Mrs. Miggins... BBC canteen yeah. and tiny little corridors, breeze block rooms. So it's kind of, the, it's got an incredible sort of ordinariness about it. And the bar's like not flash at all, is it? It's just it's really, not great. It's really ordinary. But then, and then you go on and then the music starts and the lights come on and the top of the pops thing's behind you. You're like, oh my God, top of the pops. It's sort of better watching it than it was doing it, weirdly, I think. The thing I, the main thing, Robson and Jerome were number one the second time we did it, I think. And what did I, you say to well, them? Well, I got into trouble. Robson or Jerome's mum rang, r- rang up the BBC and complained into- <laughs> about what I said because she felt I'd been rude about them. <laughs> I can't remember what I said, but I remember that I did get a complaint from Robson or Jerome's mum. From the mum. This is the best But my ever. overarching memory of that is just how bad the girls all smelt. Oh, no and what I, It was what just like... Just like, it was a room of like really overexcited 15-year-old girls. The audience, the girls in the audience. Yeah. Okay. And they really just bit... screaming and smelt really awful. And I thought, what kind of pervert would get on want to have sex with these girls? <laughs> how how did Jimmy Savile man, how did he do this? How did he overcome the disgust he must have felt? Just at the stink. Awful. 
No links. No links was going around. <laughs> Not enough links. They were very, they, you know, it was, a, it was a, a, a weirdly scary. They were very into Robson and Jerome, more than you'd think. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't we just roll back to what you said to upset the mum? I don't know what it was. No. Was it to do with the sweaty car? <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't. I, was, I, did, I remember them, they liked one of them more. They, the one who's in Game of Thrones, they didn't like as much. Okay, fair enough. Is that, is that, that's Jerome, right? The one with the broken nose. So when Robson went up, they went, ah! And then Jerome would come on and nothing would happen. And they stopped the recording. They said, why aren't you cheering for Jerome? Come on. But that wasn't on the telly. (laughs) Come on, he's all right. It's funny, that. (laughs) (laughs) But it's sort of so, it's such a bizarre thing. I look at that because it's going to come up soon. They're repeating all to the top of the ops that they're allowed to repeat. So... You know. uh, so the 90s is fairly safe. It's all Mark Goodyear yeah. and <laughs> Nicky Campbell. I think yeah. we're all all right. Uh, but they're on 1991, and I was watching it the other day, and I can say this to you because you weren't in a band in 1991 or yeah. not on TV, and the music was fucking shit. <laughs> it was, was uh, Colour Me Bad. Remember Colour Me Bad? I feel like you I won't, do. You will remember them when you see them. They were, and they were, <laughs> they were like a boy band, but they looked like sort of old men. Dressing up as boy. One of them had really squinty eyes. There's one good looking one. The other one has really like squinty eyes. Uh, and there was uh, Right Said Fred. What, whatever happened to them? <laughs> That's, you know, when you hear Right Said Fred and you really listen to that music, you go, God, in hell. How do we listen? It sounds like it's written on a. I mean, it, it sounds like it's played on, on a Casio. It was. Yeah. I'm sure. That's it. <laughs> um, it was still a bit of a dead period, though, wasn't it? There was that sort of period in between the end of the 80s and then the beginning of something new in the 90s. It's yeah. sort of, kind of like, yeah. Well, I think so. R.E.M. were briefly on, uh, on that one of the ones I saw. And you supported R.E.M. We did. We supported R.E.M. at Milton Keynes Bowl. Milton Keynes. And that's where you'd, that's where you'd seen David Bowie. And that's the... where I saw David Bowie in 1983, I think. Yeah. So, like, the idea that we got to play at Milton Keynes Bowl, where I'd seen David Bowie, was, like, extraordinary. Yeah. I was annoyed there isn't an audio book of your book, because I like to listen to audio books, so do an audio Yes, book. I might do one of those. But there's a podcast where a man reads out the chapter of you being at the <laughs> plate with R.E.M. at the Milton Keynes. Yeah. So I've listened to one chapter on audio oh book. God, I read I the book as well. I didn't uh, know that. Yeah, one you didn't have to read. You're like, oh, just listen to that one. You know? <laughs> it would do well, it's but safe. it was. But so you got you got pulled up. The Michael Stipe pulled you back from backstage to. He sang "Happy Birthday" to me. It was yeah. my thirtieth birthday, and he sang "Happy Birthday" to me in front of all their crowds. So we just um, it was, it was quite bizarre. So you sort of backstage and the REM sort of backstage and people who are watching from the side of the stage quite different to who was on our side of the stage. And it's all like supermodels and really famous people and. And he just sort of calls me over and he goes, come on, come, come on. He's like, yes, and gets the whole crowd to sing happy birthday to me. It was, yeah. It was really amazing until I realised he'd done the same to go on another band the night before. <laughs> <laughs> so I think he'd done it to someone in Belly the night before. And I was like, oh, fucking hell. You can't have anything to yourself, can you? <laughs> that means something. And uh, of course you worked with, and this is another similarity, you worked with Dale Winton. I worked with yes. Dale. Oh my I worked God. with Dale Winton. Yeah, he was really, he was brilliant. He was, I mean, you, you worked with him. He's he was exactly as you imagine, isn't he? Yeah. Exactly well, it was, as you imagine. Not to make it about me, but when we... Come on, let's we, just go for it. When we had him on, like, he, we, he was on our radio show. We, yeah. He guested on our radio show. And it was before it really broke. We watched Supermarket Sweep and really liked it. Yeah. And he came on... And in backstage, he was going, and it was all just done at universities. And backstage, he was going, oh, I think I've made a terrible mistake. This show's really no, bad. Really? I don't think it's going to fly. And we're going, no, no, it's great. Honestly, we like, it's really, we really like it. And he went out, and that audience, wherever we were, something like Warwick University or something like that, went absolutely insane. <laughs> and he kind of, I think that would, that, that doing great? that gig was great. the moment he realised it was going to be okay. Yeah. So we got him because yeah. it was he wasn't huge yet. So no, he no. did like a, he did sort of pastiche of supermarket sweeping our video for in between yeah. her, and it was like, and he. He was just lovely. Yeah, he was great. Kind of sort of filthy and, yeah. you know, brilliant. You said, I saw an interview, you said there's a story you couldn't tell about him. Yes, there isn't. I might tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I thought now he's dead, you might be able to tell me, but no. I'm never saying. Okay. Oh. I'll tell you. I'll tell you next week. <laughs> <laughs> That's my opening monologue sorted for the next week's show. And like Fleetwood Mac and Rod, Jane and Freddie... <laughs> 
There were some uh, relationships within your within Sleeper. Yes, there was. Now, I'm more interested in Rod, Jane and Freddie than in uh, the Sleeper relationship. Does this involve Bungle or does this not it involve doesn't. Bungle? It doesn't. You know, Jane was, got, was in a relationship with Rod. Right. I uh, never knew this. Yeah, and then... And then Freddie. Then, then she went to Freddie. She went to Freddie. And that was just the three of them. Poor Rod. Yeah, but they carried on. Well, you, well, you do. Yeah. You do carry on. Freddie's died now. Freddie's <laughs> Freddie, Freddie died. <laughs> no feelings about Rod, Jane and Freddie? Other than I loved them growing up, yeah. It's, it's, was it, because I don't know, it's, it worked, sort of created some tensions in the, in the band. That you started it, it did the band create, with... yeah, so I was, in, I was in a relationship with John. We formed the band in Manchester. And it was difficult because our relationship was kind of ending. And then we signed a record deal. Yeah. <laughs> we're, like, we're a bit like, shit, what do we do? What do we do? He's got to sort of stay in the band. And how do we facilitate? And then I, you know, and then I sort of, fell in love with somebody else and uh yeah so. he was also in the band though. he was that's, also in the that's, band that's the, that's yeah <laughs> yeah okay yeah that's also true <laughs> it was and then we, and we're still together though. yeah so yeah that's so nice ending yeah it is a nice yeah. one but not for john no. uh but it's still, still pretty bad still pretty maybe bad it there. was <laughs> but do you think well a i wonder whether if i'd had sex with people in my double acts whether they might have gone a bit better <laughs> And Maybe being, if you'd at least docked with them. I could have docked, didn't even dock. That would have been helpful. But, do you think, but, but, I but think, Damon Arbon gave me a lecture as so he came over and yeah. this is very early on we were, in the cheese episodes. <laughs> he said, don't ever go out with someone in your band. That's yeah. stupid. <laughs> And maybe he was right. What's well, easy for right. him to say? Isn't it's he's, true. Yeah. he's in a band with three blokes. He's not going to exactly. go. Exactly. But, well, but, you know. Okay. I'm sure there was. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but do you think creatively, you know, it's, it, there's, I think there's got, uh, it, for when you're working with people, a little, having yeah. a little bit of uh, grit in that oyster <laughs> can create the, can create the, not literally, um, it can, <laughs> metaphorically speaking, my audience is so dirty minded. <laughs> That's not a good thing. So if you're docking, don't have just check for grit. <laughs> Because that's not going to go well, is it? That's going to be uncomfortable. Do you think that? Do you think that? Because there was tension, right? Because it was there was even, be, even before. So yeah, it was, I don't know. No. I mean, it kind of <laughs> we got some songs out of it. Let's yeah. put it that way. Yeah, I mean, it's, that's it's, always helpful. It right? is sort of crazy, but it's but it's also it is yeah. also and it's also quite it's quite a common story. Yeah, in it so is. it's like yeah, 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 yeah. And no bungle. It was fine. No bungle. Still can't think. <laughs> Would you rather be in Rod, Jane and Freddie or Fleetwood Mac if you had to choose? Fleetwood Mac. Would you? Yeah. I'd rather be in Rod, Jane and Freddie. I'd rather, I'd rather be in Jane. And Stevie Nicks. Stevie, I'd rather be in Stevie Would you? Nicks. <laughs> nice. Nice Jane was. Um, <laughs> sorry. I, I just, I'd just like to apologise, just generally speaking. And you did do, I mean, you, did, you crossed over with the comedy world a bit as well in the, in the night, so you, would, yeah. you got onto the panel shows, you were on... Oh, my God, yes. You were on Shooting Stars. Shooting Stars. With Vic and Bob, who you say were nice in the books, they come out of it. Yeah, yeah, they were nice. Yeah. But obviously you had to put up with the, yeah. the thigh rubbing. But then the, the thigh rubbing is at, at least that sort of main... I think that's a pastiche more than... I the, think that is, yeah. yeah. No, it was fine. They were, they were actually lovely, yeah. yeah. And never mind the buzzcocks. That was interesting. Who was the uh, host when you've been doing it? Was it was Mark Lamar, I think. Yeah. 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 I don't know. Fucking no. hell. <laughs> it was such bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's hard with, with buzzcocks going on as the musical. Yeah. I suppose what surprised me, because what, and I don't know whether I haven't done any of that for years and years and years, obviously, but they write the jokes. Yeah. So they come, so someone comes to you backstage and they go, here are your jokes. And here are your things you're meant to say, and I was like, "Well, fuck that! I'm not saying those. That's a bit shit." And then we just—I just said quite random things. Do you know yeah. what I mean? It's like, yeah. but I didn't know that. I didn't know that's how it worked. I didn't know they got the, the guests on and they came and they came here. Your list of jokes to say, and this is when when Mark Lamar says this, you'll say this. It's like, right. I didn't know that. No, terrible. It's all—it's all artifice. It's all artifice. It's all isn't terrible it? artifice. You've given me my lines backstage. But you <laughs> You've given me the bungle line. Yeah. Should have worked harder on the script, shouldn't I? Uh, it's, um, <laughs> I wasn't going to say, but there you go. <laughs> Do your homework, mate. <laughs> 
should have worked harder on my bit. So then <laughs> you've done very That's well. That's right. Um, <laughs> um, well, let, you did, I, I know you've talked about this a lot, but you did... Uh, with the with the stuff that you do after uh, Sleeper finished, you, you was it really a solo album you were working on? But it was still with the, or is it was it a Sleeper album you were working? It on? was yeah, it was it was a solo album. Yeah, um, and we were doing it at um, George Michael's studio. Yeah, yeah. So we were working with a couple of producers who were doing stuff with him, and it was really lovely. And George Michael would just wander in when he had some downtime and sort of come and listen to what we were doing. And he sang on one of those songs. So one of the songs we've got on our lost album has got. If you listen really carefully, <laughs> like really carefully, you can just sort of hear George Michael yeah. singing. And is it, was that, uh, it sort of strikes me that you still kind of maintained your sort of feet on the ground and when you met, having been such a big music fan and then getting yeah. to be alongside all these people. He was lovely. Yeah. He was absolutely gorgeous. And yeah, I was kind of, I think I stopped being sort of super impressed with people. I was just like, as soon as you sat down with someone for five minutes, it's kind of, it, all, it changes, doesn't it? Yeah. But um, but but he was like, his life was obviously so far removed from ours, and he was like he was always he was like on the phone like organising his helicopter to the south of France with Jerry Hallowell, who's like sort of telling us stories <laughs> about Princess Di and Elton John and all that kind of stuff. It was like, but he was gorgeous. Yeah. Were the stories about Princess Di and Elton John together? I will tell you later. <laughs> as I said, some things offer after yeah, the show. Okay. I'm amazed there's things you didn't put in the book. That, that the, <laughs> the book is so frank that I kind of can't. I can't believe you. Someone, oh no, I'll hold back on that. Well, the lawyers look at it and they go, no, mate. But you can say all that. The, the lawyers <laughs> let quite a lot through, and yeah, yeah, yeah. so I don't know who that is. That's fine. Princess, I know. I've heard of her. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, yes, I'm going to ask you another emergency question. Here it comes. What's the most surprising personal thing that has leapt out at you? Leapt out at me, yeah. actually? Yeah, it could be anything. You can interpret it however you want. Has anyone ever leapt out at you? I feel like there's not been much leaping. No. What kind of, what kind of leaps? Well, it was like someone could have been hiding behind a bush and leapt out at you. <laughs> no. No. There's not been any... Okay. Uh, you, uh, there was... Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think of how I would answer it as how you. How would you answer that? There was, uh, well, you stole Paul McCartney's seat. That's nearly someone leaping out. You leapt out of Paul McCartney, almost. I did. I just thought I, I had nowhere to sit at the queue awards. I couldn't find my spot. And I was like, I'll just sit next to um, Bob Geldof. That'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> and then Paul McCartney goes along. He's like, actually, I think you're fine. I'm sitting there. <laughs> it's like, okay, all right. I'll go back to my Jackie magazine. That's where I belong. <laughs> and you stole uh, Paula Yates's belt. Yes, yeah. So I had a Saturday job in Mothercare. Right. In the summer. Yeah. Just after I left school, and Paula Yates came in and she was making a program like a, I think it was like a it's some sort of about babies or something. I don't know. But she came in in this incredible outfit, and she just came into our, as it was like our canteen, our sort of staff canteen, and she had left this wardrobe. It was the first time I'd ever seen someone, you know, sort of famous that brought in a wardrobe of clothing. And she was so cool. I just thought she was just the best thing. And she'd left all this amazing clothing in our staff canteen. And I was like, oh, I could just have one of those belts. <laughs> could I have just a Paulie's belt? So I did take Paulie's belt, yeah. yeah, took that home. But it didn't leap out at me. It just, no. it sort of leapt into my hand <laughs> <laughs> without me quite expecting it to. Okay, that, that counts. Um, and so what do you think with that the whole it's interesting in the book I think that 10 years and the way Britpop became this big thing and yeah. then you, you're quite dismissive of certainly once it was embraced by the Tony Blair government that it sort of lost yeah. its credibility well I just I think I just thought that it wasn't coming from a kid that was really not very cool I just thought it wasn't very cool to yeah. sort of mix music in that way and sort of like just hang out with politicians it just didn't feel right I just yeah. I felt like it was our job to stand on the sidelines and criticize everyone rather than like get chummy with them I yeah. just didn't feel just didn't feel right really yeah but because I wish I'd gone now I think it'd be really fun wouldn't it <laughs> <laughs> it'd have been a good party like could have stolen something I, stole, I could have stolen something I stole uh David Cameron's sugar lump David Cameron's sugar lump. How, how, did, went, how did it be, his sugar lump? Well, it was in the... I, I went in to... <laughs> it was something to do with Scope, which is a charity I work with, and they were, we got invited by Samantha Cameron to 10 Downing Street. Right. And uh, I kind of went on the 
look around. I tried to look around a bit, as I like to do. <laughs> uh, and I found a conference room, and that, that was all I could find to steal was a sugar <laughs> lump. <laughs> I kept it for quite a I long time. You didn't, it didn't sort of melt. <laughs> right, it did eventually, eventually, yeah. Degraded eventually. Degraded eventually, as, yeah. as things do. Yeah. But, uh, no was, toilet roll or anything? Or, no. No. I, I was, I, in Buckingham Palace, I. There was a. I, I, worked, I got lost in Buckingham Palace. I, I wrote on a Royal Encyclopedia, uh, and uh, they directed me the wrong way, and I walked right into the centre of Buckingham Palace. And what, was, what big, was there? And it was was the, well, there, it was when the, you go into the middle, there was what men is there? with machine guns and stuff, but right. I just walked past them. Uh, and it was also the day that all the G8 leaders were going to be meeting in Buckingham Palace, and I had a massive silver. Uh, it was a camera case that I was using as a briefcase at the time that I'd won in a competition yeah. and I walked into the centre of Buckingham Palace on the day that all the world leads there with something that could very easily have contained a bomb uh, and it was and in the end I knocked on the guards windows and went Dad, do, you know, I'm, do you know where I'm meant to be and then they told me I'd and gone the wrong way and this isn't a bomb honestly yeah, it isn't a bomb but I, I was in I was in I, was, I, could, I could have Michael Fagan the whole thing <laughs> did you hear that Michael Fagan wanked in the Queen's ear because that's why I heard did you hear that I did not hear that. That's what I heard. But now I know that. Because so. we've got so many similar... Wanking stories. <laughs> so many similar stories from childhood, the things that we'd said at school. That was what was said at school, that Michael Fagan had wanked in the Queen's ear. It wasn't... When they did it on the crown, he didn't do it. But that doesn't mean it didn't happen. That's the way, that's the way I look at it. So, are you gonna? Are you, you've written. Have you written four novels? I've written four novels, yeah. And one was one of them about poker. You one of them was about poker, yeah. yeah. I'm so shit you, at poker, but I, I really. It's such a good game, isn't it? If you do yeah, play. Yeah, well, I did play a lot again, like about ten years ago. I was playing a lot. Yeah, it was. But it was a thing, wasn't it? Was, like, yeah, it, was, yeah. it was really a thing. So ten yeah. years ago, yeah. Well, you could have come on my chat. I did a oh poker chat show. You could have come on my poker really? chat show. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. I went and did that TV where you played at poker on telly. Yeah, I did that as well. How did yeah. you do? Really badly. Did you? Yeah, but I really enjoyed it. It's really good. <laughs> I mean, I'm not good at it, like I said, but I just, it's really great. Yeah. And are you, are you going to do, write more novels? Or I think, that... yeah, I might. I mean, it takes, it's like, it's such a, it's a huge commitment, isn't it, a novel, but I might do that, yeah. I might do that when I've got some time to do that. And so what is one of, one of them is about the music, is, is about... A, a, a... So the first one was about musicians, yeah. and I just thought, well, I'll write it, but I'll be like a guy in a band rather than a... Okay. I don't, I don't want to write my story, do you yeah. know what I mean? So I said, yeah. But it is the first one, it's a music one. Yeah. Good. Well, we'll look at those. And so you're, you, you, the tour was, you were touring and it was sort of postponed by It was postponed. COVID. I think it was reorganised about three times. We just finished it. So we just did it this summer. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And how's that? How's it been? Is it? It, it was great. Yeah. I'm sure it was. The, uh, the gig I saw was absolutely nice fantastic. It was, it was slightly, gave me a nervous breakdown, but it was Because we had to well, take our kids on tour with us. Sure. So that was quite hard because yeah. I've got two teenagers that did not want to be there. Like really sort of moody, grumpy. Oh my God. I've got to watch my mum jumping about on stage. It's so embarrassing. <laughs> Please don't do that. But your daughter's been on one of the records, right? She has. Yeah, yeah, yeah she has. My, my daughter's kind of into it. My son, like, not at all. Right. Like, oh my God, another bloody fucking gig. <laughs> yeah, so taking your kids on tour is not the best, but the gigs were amazing. Yeah, Have they anyway. read your book? Your, no. Do they know about, are they going to listen to this I don't know about podcast? the docking yet. <laughs> <laughs> I think I might just let them like listen yeah. to this and I'll just throw them in and that'll be done yeah. it'll be done then won't it yeah and get it all out of the way I don't think you can really that's well you know I've written quite confessional biography autobiography things your kids are little my kids are little now but they'll read it one day won't they yeah maybe read it now because they won't understand it okay <laughs> <laughs> just get it done the champagne like... bottle up the arse bit I think. <laughs> that's just a I think that'd be fine Christmas be like, tradition that yeah. just seem Novel, yeah. I don't know. yeah. Do you, would you want? Would you like your kids to be in the? Pop, no, I want them to be accountants. Okay. Yeah. That's absolutely. They better. <laughs> my daughter's like she's saying, I'm quite interested in sort of like you know going maybe to sort of like sort of do drama or sort of music. I'm like, yeah, fucking not. <laughs> <laughs> and do you feel? I mean, do you still? Because I, I think that that just that image of you as this this schoolgirl getting your bag flushed down the toilet and yeah been worrying about your asthma and all this sort of yeah. stuff and, and then becoming this you know becoming a sex symbol whether you wanted to be a sex symbol yeah, or yeah, not. Yeah. and you were very, you were, were and you are very sexy so thank you i'm gonna say it <laughs> i didn't masturbate over your poster <laughs> like like all the other blokes who interviewed you did i don't know if that's more offensive than them telling you 
I'm going to think comedy. about that. I will let you know. <laughs> I was into comedy. And there were there was a very slim pickings in the comedy business. Emma Is Thompson. That right? Emma Thompson, Connie Booth, Pamela Stevenson. Those are the those are the girls for me. Um, what was what was I going to say? Uh, it's uh, <laughs> but you know it must have felt amazing to have gone you know to have got to that. Yes, I've got to that stage where you you know as as horrible as it was in lots of ways. Well, I mean that yeah, it, I mean it. I mean it was great. You know we we, we went on tour and around the world. Yeah. We like so did amazing things and you know you watched I, Bowie and found it you know and you thought he was sexy and so to be in that position where you knew yeah, people were. I just were, thought I think. You know, you have to sort of go and you have to do it and you, either you sort of own it at the time, which you try to do, and that yeah. is, felt quite complicated. But now, for sure, it's like I'm really proud of it. And I think, you know, my kids, although my kids say come into this and sing all the stuff, they like, they look at that and they also think it's a bit cool. Yeah. So they're like this brilliant mix of sort of embarrassed and also that's quite cool, which I think is what you should be with your kids. You know, it's yes. like you've got embarrassed them and also there'd be something about what you did that they think is, oh, that was all right, that was all right. Yeah, they're just, they're already embarrassed about me. <laughs> And rightly so. Yeah. Entirely. <laughs> um, look, the, the new stuff is fantastic. Do get the, the latest albums this time tomorrow and uh, The Modern Age. Uh, but also listen to all the old stuff because it's fantastic. And I'm glad that you are appreciating yourself as a musician and a writer. Yeah, totally. Because you should. You're absolutely fantastic. Uh, and uh, ladies and gentlemen, give a massive round of applause to fantastic Louise Wiener. Wait. Thank You have been listening to Rahalastaba with me, Rich Terring, and my guest, Louise Wenner. Thank you very much to Scant Regard for playing this music so nicely. I'm indebted to my producer, Ben Walker. Also to Chris Evans, not that one. No, not that one. Not the Telegraph editor. No, not that one either. The one from Go Faster Strike is him. Uh, thank you very much to everyone at the Leicester Square Theatre, everyone at ACAST and the British Comedy Guide, and everyone who knows me. This is a Sky Potato Fuzz and GoFasterStripe.com production. Get my book, Would You Rather? It's out probably about now. Lots of Would You Rather questions to keep conversations going wherever you get your books, ebooks, and audiobooks. <laughs> <laughs>